Hi, this is Sandy and Lon. And uh, we're here to uh, introduce a set of podcasts, and this will be the first episode in the podcast that we will be doing over the next uh, year or so. And you know, we're going to be sharing with you today an interview that we did in the mid 2000s by our our dear colleague and friend Jill Regiel who interviewed us. So we want to share that with you today. So here's the interview that we did uh, several years ago and we want to share it with you and this will be the beginning of several episodes uh, in our podcast with you. Good morning. I'm Jill Regiel. I'm a professor of education at Cal Poly Pomona and an author. And I'm here with my friends and colleagues, Lon and Sandy Golnick, who are the creators of Relationship by Design. Good morning. Good morning, Jill. Lon and I are really happy that you could be with us, and we're delighted to uh, share our work with people who are listening to this CD. And we appreciate you helping us out in doing that. Oh, this is fun for me. (laughs) It's great. It's really our purpose here, too, you know, to really have people begin to uh, discover and revitalize what's natural to them, which is called being in relationships and being related. And it is our commitment here as well for people to experience a new freedom and ease and fulfillment in their relationships. Our idea is that relationship is really fundamental to all aspects of life, you know, whether it's family life, work life, friendships. Um, institutions, I mean, all kinds of things uh, are rooted in relationship. Well, and as human beings, we are a species that's naturally related. Yes. Before we jump into it, could you tell us a little bit about yourselves and how you got into this work? Oh, absolutely, Joe. We'd love to. First of all, Lon and I have, it seems like, been married forever. It's been 42 years. And, uh, you know, we really look at this as a lifetime commitment that we share. And we are parents of two uh, grown, beautiful daughters and five absolutely delightful grandchildren. We feel very fortunate, and this is really an expression of a lifelong passion and commitment that we have to relationships and families. That's really what has us do the work we do, and, uh, you know, it's like the fulfillment of our life. And we've discovered a lot, but this isn't only about what we've discovered. It's about what we've learned in working with other people regarding relationship. And it's not so much instructions or information. It's more we're interested in having people have some insights that are maybe at the cause of the some of the stuff that people go through, the unpleasant parts of relationship, because we think if we can kind of open our eyes to some of those things, uh, the naturalness and the joy of relationship can kind of show through. And I know this is the first in a series of CDs that you'll be making. And what are you calling this CD? Well, we're going to call this one, Get It, Get... Let's say that one more time. <laughs> get Real About Relationship, because we think a lot of... Uh, uh, Upsets, disappointments, etc., are rooted in some misunderstandings that people have regarding relationship. And really, how we'd like to have you be engaged with us in this particular CD is to really listen. Like um, much of what's going to be said, uh, listen like you've never heard it before. Listen like there's something here that could really make a difference for you. 
and your relationships in, that you have in your life. And uh, really to allow yourself to entertain some new thinking. From time to time during this CD, we'll ask you to push your pause button and and begin to write down or express or share, you know, some of the thoughts or things that you're seeing. You know, if you're doing this with a, a friend or a loved one or a business partner, you know, you're sharing this, do it together. Much more powerful. And if you're just driving along in the car, no problem. I know that you'll be able to think the things that are there for you, too. Terrific. Uh, and what is one of the basic principles that you work with in your workshops and your coaching with couples and families? Well, I think one of the things that you just said earlier about relationships for human beings are, is natural. It's just a natural part of being human. Uh, we operate from that point of view, and there are things in the way of the experience of really the what we'll call the wonder and joy of relationship. So we're interested in finding out what the what are those things that are in the way, identifying them and see if uh, some of those things, which we consider to be quite automatic, when you do see them, you can flip the switch on them and not have them so much in your way anymore. So it's kind of like education. A lot of people have the idea that education has to do with giving somebody something or putting something into the students or the young people. And ed the nature of education and the etymology of the word itself does not mean to put in, but to draw out. It means to elicit or bring out. So it assumes that what's all, what you're asking youngsters or people to see or to know, they already have it. And you're just drawing it out. And that's more the way your work is. Exactly. So it's relationship and the joy of relationship and the wonder of relationship and the productivity relationship and the power and results of relationship are all natural. All we got to do is to get them drawn out. So this isn't about our giving instructions to people. This isn't telling people what to do or how to do it. This is seeing something that might have been in the way. When that's out of the way... The natural expression of relationship is drawn out. Very good. So I know for me, when I've come to other relationship work, it's been about what did I miss? What do I need to, what blanks do I need to fill in? And what you're saying is that I have it all naturally inside me. Yeah. And we just need to get all the dust Very and dirt good. out of the way. Yeah. So this isn't, you, you've got to get something for yourself, it's more like you have to be willing to let go of some things that have been in the way. And that's what we're intending to point out during this work. Terrific. So what are some basic concerns that people have about relationships? Well, if you look, there are uh, what we'll call problems that a lot of people recognize. As a matter of fact, they not only exist in a relationship, your relationship, my relationship, they exist pretty much in all relationships. And these are issues like where people have upsets, where people have frustrations, which get in the way of the experience of the wonder of relationship is in areas having to do with money, having to do with finances, having to do with who's going to be responsible for that area, having to do with kids, having to do with parenting, the children, how should they be raised, etc. 
what things we need to be doing around the house, who's supposed to take care of this and who's supposed to take care of that, all the household responsibilities and chores. Uh, sex and sexual expression is often an area of trouble or disappointment or upset with people. Social, you know, friends, who, who should we have as friends? Who should we not ha- have as friends? Who should we deal with? Who should we not, not deal with? Religions, beliefs, ideas that people have on how things should go. Uh, fights that people have, differences in, I don't know, beliefs, spirits, etc. Communication. You know, what should be said? What should not be said? What do you have room for? What do you not have room for? Can you trust the other person? Does the other person trust you? Can you say anything? I better not say this, or I have to say this. Um, security. Wondering if it's all going to turn out. There's a lot of things that people go through in relationships that seem to get in the way of just being able to experience the ease, peace, and probably joy and partnership that should be there quite naturally. So this is what people deal with. So we're going to invite people to press that pause button for a moment now and just uh, begin to think or write down for yourself some of those areas that seem to crop up are there in your relationships, whether it be with a loved one, whether it be with family members, whether it be with business colleagues or friends, any of the aspects of relationship. Just take a look now and see what are the issues, concerns that leave you disappointed, frustrated or upset. So what did you see for yourself when you took a look? You began to see things I'm sure that you deal with, you know, in those relationships for yourself. And they're not small, they're not minor, and there are lots of them when you look in your family, in your work relationships, with your life partner. There's a lot of those things. So, in fact, if you look at your list, or if, and we only scratched the surface when we were talking about these things, if you look at this list, it could uh, call up a question. With all of these stuff that we go through in relationship, why be in a relationship in the first place? Why get in a relationship in the first place? And it's worthwhile to see what some of those are. For instance, if you looked in the past, what were you after? What were you in a relationship for? Whether Well, start with a romantic relationship. Why? Uh, Companionship, fun, uh, person to do things with, uh, a person to raise children with. Mm -hmm. A a ready date, uh, someone who you could kind of feel at ease with, someone who you could kind of count on uh, in certain areas where you weren't so sure of yourself and they could help you out. And security. And then if you look at other relationships, you might want to have a business relationship because you can provide for yourself, you can provide for others, you can take care of your family, you can get uh, something that you may be very interested in accomplishing, accomplish with some help from other people. Lots of reasons, if you would, for getting in relationship. Why have social relationships? To uh, have some fun, to see some things that you might not see uh, in life, etc. Uh, maybe get in a relationship because you'd like to have the experience of intimacy and sexual experiences that you know haven't had. Maybe uh, some I don't know shared finances, security, uh, taking care of each other, if you will, with regards to uh, money. Like you said yourself, 
Jill, when you said uh, have children together, raise children, go through that kind of an adventure together, if you will. Take care of things around home or house or something like this. Uh, well, be- there's even really, this is a kind of funny one, but it is there. It does give you the opportunity to be in the carpool lane. <laughs> <laughs> and you could probably get some tax benefits out of the deal, too. Well, those are really real things. They I mean, people are. laugh, but they're very real. Yes. And. Here's the interesting thing. This is why it's worthwhile looking at your list of things that you got in a relationship for. Because if you really look at that list and then go back and look at the list of where you're having disappointments, upsets, or frustrations in your relationship, you'll see those lists match out pretty well. That is, say you go in for sex and intimacy and sex and intimacy becomes an issue. You go in for security and security and money and finances becomes an issue. You go in to have children and how to raise the children, what to do with the children become an issue. You go to uh, be able to, I don't know, be with people and meet people, you know, socialize, and then who you socialize with and how you socialize and to what extent becomes an issue. I think that's partly what makes people crazy in relationship. I know it does me, because it looks like you can't win. The very thing you have relationship for seems to crop up as a problem. That's what we're interested in having people begin to see what's a, what is it about that that and it's not strange it's not unusual it's not um unique to you it's not unique to us it's not unique to any particular person you mean it's natural to the problems of being in relationship uh I don't know about natural but normal normal okay okay it's ordinary it's not strange so what is it? We're saying it's not unique to anybody, so it's not necessarily personality-based. It's not something with regards to how somebody is brought up even. There's something else there, and we're saying it's in the fundamental way we view relationship. So, for instance, if you had, say if you have your list of 20 things that you really want in a relationship, and during the course of the first part of the relationship, you had, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 of those things. Would you be satisfied? Probably not. Probably not. If you had, I don't know, maybe 85 or 90% of what you were looking for, but 10% of what you wanted in a relationship was missing all the time, would that satisfy you? I'd want more. Exactly. As a matter of fact, if you looked at it, I say, what do you want in your relationship? You want it? All. You want all of it. So if I were to ask you, you know, what do you want? You want all of it. Yes. And it is not strange or unusual. As a matter of fact, why should one, in a sense, settle for? So you'll see in the background, we want it all, all of it. What we want in a relationship, we want all of it, not just some of it. And uh, when you look at it, if you did have all of it, and you had all of it, say... 75% of the time, and 25% you didn't have it, or you had all of it 80% of the time, and for 20% you didn't have all of it. Would that be enough? No. Would you really be satisfied? No. I wouldn't either. As a matter of fact, if you look, what you're looking for is everything that you want in the relationship, and you want it all the time. Anything less than that is not quite the way you'd want it. Now, if you, by the way, gets a little worse, okay? Because if you did have all of it all the time, but you had all of it all the time in certain places in your life, 
like maybe at home, but not at work, or maybe at home and work, but not in your you know community or in your close friends or something like this, would that be enough? Probably no. not. <laughs> <laughs> because if you look, you'd want it all of it, all the time, everywhere you are. And if you had what you want in relationship, all of it, all the time, wherever you are with certain people and not other people, would that be enough? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> so you begin to see it. When it comes right down to it, again, not bad, not strange, not unusual, normal. What we want is everything in relationship. We want it all the time, everywhere we are, with everyone we're with. That is to say, we want everything, all the time, everywhere, with everyone. That's all. Now, if you start to look, you're thinking, maybe that might be a little much. That is to say, is that possible? And we're asking you to see maybe it's not, but it does, does get worse because if you did have all of that stuff, which is probably impossible to have all of it all the time, everywhere with everyone, if you did have it and it lasted for about five years, would you not be disappointed? Oh, terribly. Yes, as a matter of fact, you know, maybe even more frustrated or upset than you were before because, oh, wait a minute, I saw it was possible. It went away. It went away. So you... You and I are the kind of creatures that we are expecting to have all of it, all the time, everywhere, with everyone, forever. And if you look at it, that is what we're looking for. Anything less than that, we get upset about. As a matter of fact, if you look at it, the more you have and the more time you have it and the more people you have it with, the more upset you are when you don't. Do you get what I'm saying? You you learn to live inside of that expectation. So the more you have, it isn't the less you want. The more you have, the more you want. You get more upset, more disappointed, more frustrated when it's not there. Now, we're asking you to see something. The expectation is a little high, isn't it? That there's probably no one that you could have a relationship with that could fill your expectations or no group that could fulfill your expectations. And as a matter of fact, if you look at it carefully, you could say that everything, everywhere, with everyone, all the time, forever, is not only impossible, it actually is fantasy. There's no such time as forever. There's no such place as everywhere. There's no such thing as everything. Do you know what I'm saying? It's pure concept. So we have it that We should, sorry, say it this way. We have it that what we should have is really a fantasy. It's not real. And what's really interesting, Jill, is we say if we don't have everything that we want all the time, everywhere, with everyone forever, that's not a real relationship because it should be that way. Okay? So a real relationship is the fantasy relationship and our real and the real relationships that we have aren't really relationships. We have it kind of backwards. You can't win. Exactly. And that's what we're asking you to see. So if you begin to look, you'll see that you really are never going to be fulfilled. That is to say you're going to be disappointed, upset, frustrated. It's built in to never being able to meet that fantastic 
fantasy-based, if you will, expectation. So Now, one other thing, sorry. It's worthwhile to see that you have that same set of expectations of yourself, i.e., in your relationship with yourself, you think that you should be able to provide all of it all the time for everyone, everywhere, forever, and you should be able to provide it for yourself, and you cannot. It's impossible. So even in my relationship with myself, I'm hogtied. Yes. I can't win for losing. You are bound to be disappointed. You are bound to be upset. You are bound to be frustrated. Mm -hmm. Now, all of this isn't something that we're aware of or that you're awake to. It's in the background. So you don't think I should have everything with everyone everywhere all the time forever. You don't think that. We're asking you to consider you think from that. In the background, that expectation is what's guiding you, and you've been basically asleep to that. And that's part of your work, is to bring this up to consciousness so we can be aware of it. Yes. And when you begin to see that every upset that you have in relationship is rooted in an unfulfilled, fantastic, fantasy-based, fantastic expectation, you might see if you're willing to give up the expectation at the moment for what you have. Very good. So what are some of the sources of all this fantastic fantasy? Well, just look around in the culture that we live in. You know, if you stop to think about uh, all of the romance novels, you know, all of the, uh, you know, the things on television, the uh, soap operas, you know, if you look at the the magazines that are glorifying, you know, certain ways to be related book after book after book out there about how to have a successful relationship. So it is ingrained in the how to have the perfect family and the family relationships that, you know, everyone admires and you look good, you know, except that here we are. Some people talk about how they go out in the world and they have this pretense of it all looking wonderful. But behind the scenes, then so there's this fantasy one that we put out there. And then there's the real one that we're living behind the scenes. The stories that we read, like Sandy says, and the uh, movies that we see, they last for a particular point of time, and they turn out right at the end. What happens between the movies? What happens in the other you know, 20 hours in the day when the movie isn't happening? What happens in the week between the, the little uh, episodes in the serial? And then when you look, who knows how far back... But I bet if you look at your life, a lot of your younger days had to do with reading fairy tales and stories, all turning out happily ever after, and they lived forever, happily ever after. And there's that kind of, well, this is the way it should be. This is the way we were told. So it's not strange to have some of those expectations. It's not strange to have some of those fantasies and attempting to live those out. It just gets in the way of reality. Yeah, so press that pause button in just a moment and and really take a look for yourself at where are those places where you're disappointed, upset, frustrated, and what are the unfulfillable expectations that are there for you? In, In those relationships where you do have those problems. 
Okay, so if you have looked, you'll begin to see that the source, the basis, the cause of the problems, of many of the problems in your relationships is a function of comparing your actual relationship to the fantasy uh, that you have in the background. Is this how our relationships become ordinary? Uh, Yes, and there are a couple of other things. And there's one more thing to see what happens in ordinary relationship. It's not only filled with you know, what we'll call the problems, the upsets, etc., because of the background fantasy-based expectations. But we actually start to generate what Sandy and I call negative fantasies as well. How many times, if you look, can you, would you notice people will say things with the two words always and never in them? For instance, my wife always, or my children never, or my mother never, or I always. We're asking you to see that every time you say words, and we all have a few more to tell you, but every time you say words like always and never, for sure you're exaggerating. Almost every time you say always and never, you're exaggerating. That's to say you are not saying the truth. You're not saying what's real. Well, the other thing that I just saw for myself is it also lives in my head. I always need to be compassionate and perky. My family always. I have a always and never that lives in here. Exactly. And when you have that, you've actually kind of built a fantasy. That is to say, my mother always or I never is not true. It's a fantasy. It's an unreality. And you get stuck in that, and pretty soon you live as though it is true. Like my wife never X, or my husband always X. That starts to ring in your head, so to speak, like the truth. And you're living now in a kind of negative fantasy with regards to your relationship. And with regards to yourself, like in your head, when you say, I never do this right, or I always make this mistake or whatever, again, negative fantasy that you're living inside of with your head, and that is normal to your relationship with yourself and normal to relationships with others. Well, even when you put in, you know, I am this way, or they are this way, it's beginning to put a fantasy there because that's not so. We have many different ways of being. And yet when we begin to expect that we'll always be shy or they're never open or they never listen, those are those places where it is not real. It is a fantasy and a negative one. So when you say, I am shy, we're saying that's not the truth either. Sometimes I am shy. Sometimes I am not. So you are not always shy. It's an exaggeration. It's an exaggeration. Now, I'm suspicious. Is there more? Um, Yes. We've looked at kind of one part, if you will, of the work of exploring ordinary relationship on the way to, we didn't say this earlier, but on the way to what we're committed to is extraordinary relationship. One of the first steps toward extraordinary relationship is to begin to recognize the aspects of ordinary relationship. There's a second thing about ordinary relationship that most people do not realize. If 
you looked at the list of what it is that you're looking for in relationship, there's a lot of wanting. But also it's worthwhile to see that the wanting has to do with whom? It has to do with you. That is to say, your relationship is rooted in getting what you want. Not only a hundred percent of the time with everything, with everyone, everywhere, forever, but it's about what you want. As a matter of fact, if you look at it, most of the things that you say that you want are very personal, are very individual, are very much about you. Consider that you're not very interested in relationship for relationship's sake. You're interested in relationship as a means to get what you want. Worthwhile to consider that, that it really is about you. My relationship is about me. The other person's relationship is about them. Your relationship is about you and getting what you want. Another way of saying this, it's I want, I think, I like, I need, I wish, I should have a lot of I in there. It's worthwhile to see that what we call ordinary relationship is rooted in a kind of model or paradigm that is based in I. It's about me. It's about the individual. So it isn't about the relationship, seldom is it about the other, except maybe what I want for the other, or I want from the other, or I want about the other. It's still I. There's very little the other in, but even when there is some of the other in, what definitely is not there is the relationship itself. That is say your attention isn't on the... Say it another way. Your attention isn't very much on the other, most of the attention is on yourself, and there's almost no attention on the relationship itself. So this is what you mean by I-based relationship? I-based relationship. It could be said that we're so pulled into an individual identity-based way of being related that it's antithetical to relationship itself. It's not about them. It's not about the relationship. It's about me. So... It's not relationship. <laughs> and as a, so it's, it's worthwhile to see in our view that, uh, in a sense, relationship can't win out because it's about me or you winning out. Is there anything else? Yeah. It's likely that you listen to this in a way where you think, uh-oh, this is bad, this is wrong, I shouldn't be this way, and uh, you know, I should be better than this, and I should turn my attention to something else. Uh, we're asking you to don't go there. It's normal. It is a paradigm, if you will, an environment in which we live. So you're trying to do something about it isn't going to make a lot of difference. That's like trying to stay dry when you're in a rainstorm. There's no way you're going to do it. What you can do is to begin to notice to the extent that your attention is there. What happens after that, as your attention moves from yourself to something else quite naturally, you don't have to work at it, you don't have to decide to do something. 
we have found that as you're awake to how much your attention has been on yourself, it just kind of naturally seems to go other places. And as it goes to others and other places, relationship starts to work. Actually starts to flourish. So you've pointed out that most of us have been in ordinary relationships, rooted in fantasy, rooted in eye base. This is not good news. Well, it doesn't sound uh, like really good news, and uh, but that's not all there is. It actually does get worse. Oh, dear. Yes. One of the things uh, that we've asked people to consider when we've done our workshops with them and our coaching with people, uh, we ask them to consider that what we often believe to be the basis for relationship isn't. That is to say, we often believe the basis to, for relationship is love or some expression of that affinity, a liking for somebody. For instance, if you're going to have a business relationship, you, you know, have an affinity for the person that you're going to work with or a liking for them in some way or another. Uh, and we're asking people to consider that affinity and love are not the basis for relationship. That could be kind of shocking because most people say, well, why are you with them? Well, I love them or I really like them or we get along well together or whatever. So they consider that to be the basis for relationship. We're saying that that's not so. We're asking you to consider that the background for relationship is love, is affinity, is a liking for the person, but it's not the basis. That the space for relationship is liking for or affinity or love. But the actual basis for relationship is commitment. That is to say, we have a relationship in the, in the background of which is our liking for each other. But the, what we do, how we do it, what we produce, etc., is a function of what we commit to. With in regards to true each in other. business relationships also? Yeah, if you look at a business relationship, I may like you, but the relationship having to do with the business actually has to do, I don't know, maybe we agree to and commit to produce a particular kind of product, or we agree to or commit to write a contract for working together a certain way. You have a particular position, I have a particular position. You produce something, I produce something. That is the basis for the relationship. Otherwise, you know, you can walk down the street, hey, nice guy, like him, but there's no relationship. Mm, maybe a background relationship, but not something you would call a, quote, working relationship, or a specific relationship. I don't know what you call it. We call it a committed relationship. Okay. Someone would say, do you have a committed relationship? That is the basis for the relationship. Sometimes you can love each other and we just get, we just don't get along. So we're not going to have a relationship. You know, I really like somebody, but we just don't click. So we don't have the basis for a relationship. And it is possible, by the way, to have a relationship with someone you don't even like all that well, because the basis for the relationship is commitment. So uh, same thing is true for business. The same thing is true for social. The same thing is true for uh, what you'd call a committed or partner relationship. As a matter of fact, if you look at least as at most of what we'll call formalizing 
relationship, we'll call it the romantic relationship, okay, the partnership, is in a thing called a wedding. Well, if you look to see what happens at the wedding, the key part of the wedding is I promise, you know, somebody asked, do you promise? I promise to love, honor, and cherish. The promise is there. The basis for the relationship is the promise. And when you engage in that commitment and fulfill that commitment, what shows up is the love and the honor and the respect. It's interesting, by the way, we used to say, I promise to love, honor, and obey. obey. Uh. But people aren't very interested in obeying anymore because if I obey you, I may not get what I want. (laughs) We looked up, Sandy and I looked up the uh, etymology of the word obey. It actually is rooted in to listen, to hear the other. It's come to mean something very different. It's come to mean something very different now, especially inside of this background way of relating called it's about what I want. So given that our relationships are based on commitment, why is it that commitment gets us so much into trouble? Well, because most of us as, well, two things. One, as we make the commitment, we're not really making the commitment. Let's look at that for a moment from another kind of approach. If you were on a team and and you asked me to coach the team, or the group asked me to coach the team. And I said, fine. And we can do great in terms of playing well and, you know, doing well in our league or whatever. Uh, if you will be coachable, you know, if you're coachable, I'll coach, we'll do great. Okay. And then I ask you, are you coachable? Yes. Of course I'm coachable. Exactly. So I, the coach, ask the, you as a member of the team, are you coachable? Your response quite automatically will be yes. And then I say to you, well, I've been actually watching you and a couple of others, and you're one of the ones that are not coachable. What's your response? You're kidding. Of course I am. Exactly. So you're kidding. Of course I am. A kind of argument. You would start to argue. You might even be insulted that I would say that, and yet you're starting to argue with the person who you said you would be coached by. So this person who says I'm coachable is now arguing with his or her coach. So we're asking you to see you're actually not coachable. You're only coachable as long as you're not just coachable. That is to say you're being coachable has a condition on it. This isn't bad. This isn't terrible. It's ordinary. But if you look for yourself right now, Jill, And if we're talking to anybody else who's listening here, what are your as long as is with regards to being coachable? Well, as long as I like what you're saying, as long as it doesn't make me angry, as long as I can still look good, as long as I don't stop liking you. Mm -hmm. As long as you don't get embarrassed, as long as you don't get upset. All of that stuff. Yes, Sandy? As long as I agree with you, too. Very good. And I agree with your approach, etc. Okay? So if you look, you will see there is not just full-out coachability. There's coachable as long as. Now look at commitment. And if I say, uh, are you committed? You would say? Sure. Sure, of course. On the other hand, I said, okay. And if 
your business partner took so much money without you knowing it from the business, are you still committed? Probably not. Probably not. So if you look at it, there are certain conditions to your commitment. You're not committed full out. You're committed as long as. Okay? And it's really worthwhile to see this because the basis for relationship is commitment. But when it comes right on to it, we're not fully committed. We're committed with conditions. That's not bad. That's not, it might even be called smart. Here's the problem. Most of us, when we get into relationships, have those as long as is to our commitment that don't get expressed. So you're saying they stay in the background and people aren't aware of them. They're not, uh, they're either not aware of them or sometimes they're aware of them and they're just afraid to express them because it could get in the way of the relationship. They will think I'm not fully committed or they'll think I'm pulling out or they'll think I'm not, you know, really behind it or whatever. And even if you look at the relationship, when we talk about relationships that most people talk about, relationships of the, of the heart, we'll say, you know, our romantic relationships are committed couple, if you will. You go to, in the wedding vow, you know, I promise to love, honor, and obey you through sickness, in sickness and in health, through... Better and worse, richer or poorer. Richer or poorer, okay? Till death us do part, but no one says as long as, because, and there are those as long as's. You know, as long as it, we don't get too poor. Or as long as you don't take too much of the rich, or as long as uh, you don't get too sick, or as long as you don't mm -hmm, with another somebody. Do you know what I'm saying? That is to say, we have those as long as is, and they're not communicated, and they are the end up weakening, if you will, the relationship. They actually become the deal breakers. You know that expression that's used out there? That's the thing that ends it all. So that if he were unfaithful, if he did abuse me, if he absconded with all our funds, if he yeah. uh, ran away with somebody else, those would be, I'm out of the relationship. Yes. And that actually seems intelligent. The interesting thing is, if you have these fears or these concerns or these as long as is, it behooves you to make sure that those don't happen. So you keep looking to see, are they coming? to see if you're going to be upset, disappointed, whatever. Like walking on eggs. Yes. You you don't know exactly if the other if you're starting to tread on the other's deal breakers and you're looking to see if they are going to approach your deal breakers, okay? And you start to become careful, watching out, distrustful, etc. Yes? Mm -hmm. In fact, what we've even found with people Maybe, Sandy, you'd like to talk about this. <laughs> well, Go one ahead. of the things that we start to see is that people start to withhold. They stop saying the things that are there to be said. They start um, having what we might call even like safe subjects, that they can only talk about that because they don't dare go to that place. So really what we're going to ask you now to do is to put your pause button on and then look either write down or express out loud or express to yourself what are those as long as is that you have and deal breakers that haven't 
even been perhaps in the forefront for you. Take a look now. So, what do we do about all this? All relationships are based on fantasy. They're all about me, I based, and they all have conditions. Yes. So, in a sense, when you look at ordinary relationships, at least to the extent that we have so far today, you begin to see that there are three strikes and you're out, so to speak. Um, it could be said that in ordinary relationship, the way we understand relationship ordinarily, going in, it's destined to disappointment, upset, and frustration. As a matter of fact, maybe even destined to separate estrangement and separation if you really start to look at the deal breaker part. So you're living in a fantasy, so you neither you nor the other can live up to the fantasy. So strike one, uh, it's really all about you. You're not necessarily in it for the other, and especially not to maintain the relationship. It's if you don't get what you want, you know, end of relationship, strike two. And three, uh, the commitment the full-out commitment, quote, till death us do part, we're going to make it work out no matter what, is not there. What is there is the condition in which the commitment is given up. So, strike three. Ordinary, so people having problems in their relationships, people having upsets, disappointments, frustrations is not strange or bad. It's not the relationship doesn't work. That's an ordinary relationship in the way ordinary relationships actually work. We're not interested in extraordinary relationships. Sorry, we're not interested in ordinary relationships. We're interested in extraordinary relationships. The first step of which is to be responsible for your ordinariness, not badness, not something's wrong with you, but your ordinariness, a kind of mm, asleepness uh, to relationship, your own ordinariness in the way you are uh, operating in relationship. Now, if you're going to do something about changing all this stuff, you better get to work and you better get to work real hard and expect to uh, work at least you know, probably the rest of this lifetime to get your relationship to work. And part of the pitfall, Jill, is the more that you work on your relationship, the more it argues for there's stuff to work on. That is to say, that's ordinary. What is ordinary in ordinary relationship is to try to fix all this. You can't fix the background, <laughs> All you can do is to tinker at it, and what you're going to have is just more of the same. There is a possibility for what we'll call transcendence of this. That is to say, although it looks pretty darn bleak, and ordinarily it is, extraordinary relationship is possible. Not in place of ordinary relationship, but in addition to. That is to say, extraordinary relationship starts with owning the ordinariness of your relationship and the ordinariness of the way you relate to relationship. When you can own that, when you can be responsible for, for it, when you can stop blaming the others and blaming yourself and just say, okay, this is normal. Now what? You can begin to see some things. You can begin to create some things that actually could be extraordinary in relationship. 
Okay. It's almost as if when you begin to wake up, you know, just picture yourself waking up and looking out there and there's something you now see that you couldn't see before. So there's nothing to do. There's nothing to fix. There's nothing to change, but to just inquire, to just look for yourself at the condition that we find ourselves in with regard to relationship. Yes. And if you kind of give up your attachment to that condition, give up your attachment to your fantasy, give up your attachment to the struggle, getting if you what you want, yep, giving up your attachment to your conditions or as long as is, if you were gave up your attachment to those things, you can't give them up, but you could give up your death grip on them, if you will, give up your attachment to them, you might begin to see something else. That is, say, if I'm attached to seeing, uh, sorry, say it this way, if I'm attached to my uh, purple sunglasses, then everything is going to continue to be purple. If I can take those glasses off, I can begin to see things that I didn't see before. Okay? So, we're saying it actually is possible. You might begin to see what would relationship look like if it weren't, if I weren't attached to what I want, I became interested in what the other wants, or interested in what they're committed to, or interested in what could happen for them. That is to say, your focus would start to shift. And when your focus shifts, the relationship shifts. And when your focus begins to shift to that which is beyond ordinary, your relationship becomes that which is beyond ordinary. We really want to thank you for taking the time to be with us, Jill. And we invite you to continue to engage in this exploration. And you can always find us, relationshipbydesign.com. That's where you'll find out what we're up to and what's available. And we invite you to participate with us in our workshop and our upcoming book. Thanks very much.